welcome to DevSecOps Talks, episode six. Uh, and today is a special day because we have a guest. Hello, Johan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello. And you're actually a best friend uh, with Andre. Or is it best friend forever or just best friends? We had a period. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we used to work together back in Prague and had a lot of nice conversations. So I thought that for the topic today, Johan might be a very right person to join. And actually, when we've been discussing the show, I didn't really want to do it like many other podcasts, having like one host doing interviews with other people. And just don't get me wrong, nothing, nothing wrong with this. I mean, it's a great format and works pretty well. And knowledgeable people bring a lot of insights, but I would pretty much like to have more people involved and have guests not to take the stage, but participate in discussion on the same level. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's what we all talked about. Julian, how are you? Are you okay as well? Yeah, I'm fine. It's a beautiful weather and to stay inside, of course. And so, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, no, and nothing, nothing uh, major to report. It's just business as usual from now on, and mm. the, this is the new normal. Yeah, it is, it is. Should we go around and see what we all been working with for the latest two weeks? Yeah. Who who wants to start? I'm prepared to do so, so I can. Okay, go ahead then. Okay. So I had a one week of vacation, which was nice, actually. Since I'm in Spain and we have a total confinement, it's and you have a kid running around all the time. It takes a little bit of, I mean, a little bit more effort than usual to be productive. And it was nice for a week not to try to do that. Basically playing StarCraft, actually. First version remastered. I, I recommend it a lot. And... Um, yeah, exercising on the bike in the indoors, I mean, on the trainer. But then the second week I came back and then was involved in the ongoing migration of projects from CircleCI to Jenkins. Who would sort of? I mean, many people going in the other direction, but here we are. And uh, I will not go into details, but maybe one episode we should do that, but not today. And another thing was quite interesting. Like I mentioned that we are building... In another project, we are building a hybrid cloud. So we have an on-prem data center with a somewhat complicated networking, and we have a stuff in AWS, and we wanted yeah. to build a console mesh on top of that to abstract from the network topology and hardware. It was, I mean, like when you read the console documents <laughs> about the service mesh and console connect, it all sounds unicorns and rainbows, but it's, well, it's not. It okay. uh, took a little bit of IPsec tunnels back and forth to get, make sure that the all oh, console okay. stuff, well, well, all console agents can talk to each other, and we probably will need to rethink topology a little bit. But overall, great success. It worked <laughs> by the end of the week. Like everything connected and running Nomad on top of that, so we could have like a triafic sitting in, in AWS, and there is like a workload running on 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 prem and actually yeah. it basically, but everything represented through tri as ingress and uh, 
you could schedule the workload depending on your needs between the cloud and on-prem. So if you need to GPU access, for instance, you could go on-prem. If you just need to have a general type workload, you go to cloud and then you would do after scale on there. So quite okay. nice. It's getting shaped now. Yeah. We just need to clean up because it was a lot of patch and glue stuff to get it to work. Sure. But now it's, you know, just to clean up, wrap everything in the packer, what wasn't wrapped, terraform everything. So it's nice and clean. And that oh, was oh, my oh. two weeks. Yeah, Julian, what have you been up to? I honestly don't remember. It was so, <laughs> oh yeah, I did a lot of front end. So basically I got put out of a project and assigned to building a front end for some APIs that are a little bit spread in across different services. And, you know, the, the, the state of the front end is always moving, you know, like it's, it's madness a little bit. Like you, you just want a, a simple, you want to build a form on top of a CRUD API and suddenly you're, you're in the middle of all those frameworks and languages. It's, uh, I understand why people just choose one and stick to it until they die because it's, it's, uh, it's basically like choosing a cloud provider. You, you, the, the, the knowledge that you acquire with one cannot easily be transferable. Like it can be done, but it's a lot of a hurdle. So yeah. I, I also tried to convert our website into Yugo based on the, yeah. on, on the suggestion. <clears throat> it's going to be a third rework of, of the website. So first Matthias yeah. did one version, then I, I reworked it a little bit, and now we have a third reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah, but Yugo is very nice. Yugo yeah, is very nice. Is. I think it's it's very much a convention over configuration. And yeah. you, you just, yeah, it's just files that you uh, templating and I, I I like the simple concept. It gets a bit tricky when you have a problem and you you have to figure out which which template is this, or yeah. you know like uh, the the pot beans uh, iframe. You need to create a short code for that and all those things. But once you get used to it, it's uh, it's actually quite powerful. I tried the other one called Gatsby, and yeah. oh boy, that thing is slow when you have like uh, more than ten. You know, ten or hundred uh, articles. It's really, really painful to rebuild because everything yeah. they have to to change. And you go, you can throw like thousands of articles at it, and you you, yeah. you barely notice it. So, as much as I don't think we're gonna have a thousand <laughs> podcasts, although I hope so. Yeah. You know that we reach there, but uh, yeah, the, the just the the developer experience is so important. I, I think yeah. performance. It's uh, if it's not built from the start, it's really, really hard to make it good after. So yeah, the, the Yugo is actually quite simple because it's just give you plain HTML and for your search engine optimization, it's just brilliant. Just simple CSS, HTML. If you need JavaScript, if you can avoid it, just avoid it because who needs those? And it, it, it's actually, I, I like the simplicity. Keeping things simple is actually a job nowadays mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's about it it's, it's a lot of front-end stuff and i'm starting to get rusty into my cloud skill nice you want you want to join and tell us what you've been working with or do you want to pass 
I have also been converting a website to Hugo, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have a site with opinions on Git, opinionatedgit.com, and I had that yeah. running on Jekyll, uh, yeah. posted to a, a VPS. But I'm just for the. I I have come to the conclusion that I will no longer host static stuff in anything other than S3. Like, I don't care. It's mm -hmm. so easy. I don't know anything about AWS. I'm a happy noob, but I can provision. I figured out to make a bucket accessible and even put CloudFront in front. And then yeah. deployments are so easy and mm -hmm. Hugo is fast. Uh, I, I've also been working with uh, the DevOps Days website. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because we're canceling the, the DevOps Days locally because of the, the virus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but uh, lots of Hugo and then it just works and it is quick, especially for for like the let's call it reasonably sized projects. Mm. And you do and you do your S three with Terraform and with encryption and oh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody like, does that. Yeah. I I'm, I'm far beneath that. I'm like <laughs> I <put some> files <laughs> on the internet. And if that yeah. works, then I'm happy and someone else can tell me what I'm but doing But just wrong. imagine if someone comes around and steals your file from S3, your static That's HTML. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> yeah, but I, I worked with Hugo as well before, but I had some problem with it, getting it started. I followed a quick start and it wasn't starting up for me. So I kind of added some... some Apparently, uh, quick start wasn't too quick. No, it wasn't quick, so it didn't work. Uh, so there, I, are some, I, I have there are some quite nice uh, Docker images. So, uh, of course, everything should just run a Docker. So it's just Docker yeah. run something slash Hugo, then you're... Yeah, I built a Docker image for Hugo that just pulled the latest from, from Git and then trying to get that working, but uh, I didn't get it to work. Uh, but I, uh, I liked Gatsby. I've been a plugin before for Gatsby, hooking up to WordPress to fetch all articles from, from WordPress and then with Gatsby, make it static. Uh, that's uh, actually a nice way of doing that because with uh, with Hugo, you have to be a little bit of hands-on with JavaScript, CSS, yeah. and everything. Yeah. There, there might be some something that might build a, like you know the graphic re representation of the whole thing, so you could yeah. drag there and drop multiple, stuff. There are yeah, but, like SaaS solutions for that. Yeah, oh, that? where where you get a SaaS like uh -huh, a specific yeah. editor for for Gatsby or Jekyll. Yeah, that uh -huh. just commits into a Git repository and then takes care of it from there. Yeah, but so we like the getting hands-on, right? Yeah, I'll be both. I I I had this uh, Gatsby from WordPress, and then I I was so working with uh, Google Functions, so I made a small uh, function that goes to the WordPress API and it fetches all the posts, and then I piped them through a Ninja template. Then I got static HTML, oh. and then I uploaded them to a, a Google bucket, and then I had my site i actually have few few interesting facts about the podcast oh about not the podcast but the podcast about this podcast yeah we are quite international actually what oh like i mean we all from different countries we are yeah. diversified internationally yeah and like not everyone who i mean not always a region country doesn't match the country of presence. <laughs> yeah, like, sure, for, for, for instance, Julian, he's Bel from Belgium, but 
you are in Stockholm, in right? Sweden. Yep. I'm a, I'm a Russian and also Swedish, apparently, but live in Spain, but more Russian than Swedish, actually, like much more. And Johan is in Denmark. And uh, Matthias is Swedish as Swedish it gets. Yeah. Residing in Sweden. Yeah. Not a fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But my other weeks have just been making Docker images at work. Docker, Docker, Docker. None of the apps or code projects I looked at was any good Docker wise. I just making Docker image and pull request and Docker compose and hope to move over to Kubernetes and Helm this week. Isn't, isn't that funny that in this year, new projects are not Docker from the start? I, I think people want to skip that step and, you know, it's like the, the I mean, you're building a website. Are you going to start yeah. building your, your Docker and stuff when you have service like Netif, Netlify sites yeah, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, Amazon S3, like why, why bother? It no, is just too... Yeah, you could, you could just put everything yeah. into Lambda, and then yeah. there is no exactly. work of wrapping. I, I really yeah. like this serverless mindset. Like, you know, just, yeah. okay, the, the, if it's small, it stays small. You know, you don't need to, to orchestrate. Like, you don't need Kubernetes for a website, I think. Maybe I'm but, wrong. But, but, uh, but, you know, there is, a, there is a downside to this. You know, the problem with the small stakes you tend to lose them. Like imagine you have 10 small things in your apartment and you can bloody find them. And yeah. the same with the Lambda functions, people just create all, all those small Lambda functions. You have no idea where they are, where they came from and what they do. And like, there is a, no comprehensive picture of how they talk to each other. I mean, there are tools that you could deploy to try to visualize. So for instance, like use uh, X-Ray in Amazon and try to see what they do. but. If you use different mediums between them, like Kinez, ASS, QS, things get messy. Yeah, yeah I, I think the, the, the complexity went from code to infrastructure. So now you have a complex infrastructure that you don't understand how everything yeah. interact with each other. Mm. Before you had yeah. spaghetti, spaghetti code. So now we have spaghetti infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. You're actually, like you don't have any infrastructure. That's why it's called serverless, right? <laughs> but you still yeah. don't have any engineering discipline. So like you just move your undisciplined engineering self from yeah. one medium to another and you had mess in the previous environment. Now you have mess in a new environment. So like if things are messy and you're just moving them around, they're not improving at all because it's still the same thing. It's like, yeah. you know, be, being a a bad person to be with and moving from one relationship to another, it's the same person, <laughs> just a different relationship. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. some some relationship will force you into some constraints if the, yeah. if the partner has a small wheel to work with you. but And that's like with infrastructure as well, like serverless may enforce some constraints on you. So you have to think a little bit more about what you're doing, but pretty much. However, saying in life, you can boil it down to relationship between humans. Because in the end, it's still like, you know, it's a human thing. It's engineers writing stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. True, true. But that and... brings us to the topic of today. Right? No, hey. not yet. Almost. Not yet. Hold on. There is, a sec okay. there is a second thing I wanted to say about the podcast. 
yeah like uh we do have a website nowadays it's yeah. uh, called devsecops.fm yeah. It's the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and possibly on other platforms. I don't know. It's going through Podbean and Podbean delivers yeah. it to other distribution platforms. Yeah. And turns out there are people out there who do listen to what we are saying. So and uh today I wanted to do a shout out to Andre who Baumir. I probably mispronounce your last name. So if there is anyone who is better with last names and first names than me, you could uh, try to read it aloud. I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry, but thank you for reaching out and uh, giving tips about the websites, finding problems and reporting them. Turns out like some episodes needed to be re-uploaded and worked a little bit on. So I hope you hear us, Andre, and... Uh, Thank you for reaching out and being in touch. It's encouraging us to keep going. Yeah. And uh, if anyone out there wants to reach out and talk to us, feel free to do that either via LinkedIn or just go to devsecops.fm. And uh, usually we would have a section for upcoming podcasts, which is like work in progress. And there, there is a chat or like, not like a forum thingy where you can leave the message and suggest your ideas. And also every episode has additional thread in the discourse. So you could go to every episode and leave the message there. If if you think that something wasn't covered correctly or there's some mistake or something could be done better, please reach out. Mistakes and share. could be done better. Or if they want us to talk about, about something. Yeah. 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 And uh, about talking about things. So. During the couple of episodes, Julian was saying that he could rant about CMware. <laughs> and uh, while, uh, while it's quite entertaining to he hear him rant, we thought that we might convert that into dialogue. And that's one of the reasons why Johan is here. Since, uh, he's a senior consultant with a company that will soon cease to exist <laughs> yeah which is kind of unfortunate so it's a company called pragma and it's been bought by the bigger company and pragma is brand as far as i understand gonna be non-existent in a couple the of brand months. is uh, is disappearing but we will keep like the culture and awesomeness yeah, I, I'm quite I'm, I'm quite sad about that because I think Pragma was a special company with a special kind of people and a very special culture. So it's but a little bit unfortunate that this, kind of yeah. yeah, so this part is, you know, as everything is changing and something comes, something goes. And unfortunately, time to time, good things go. And that's the yeah. moment when a good thing is going. But anyhow, yeah. uh, Johan is a senior consultant with Pragma and soon enough is a big monstrous company that bought Pragma, which name we're not going to tell because we are, not, we are not sponsored. No, no. And, are, uh, we going, are we going to the battle now? I want to see the battle here between... Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do I get some ships? So what, what, I don't know what to expect really. It's going to be amazing. So... How, how if you let me to open, yes, it's going to be. Yeah, okay, open it. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. For, 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 me, for me, it's more like 
What is good about Simber? I don't understand. <laughs> Let me finish about Let's you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> about Simber. No, let's get it started. Let's get it. So Johan consults quite a lot of big and small companies. And uh, I, when I say consulting, it's not uh, like a, it's not obvious. It's time to time hands-on consulting, doing stuff, but it's mostly strategic consulting when it comes, how do you migrate from this to Git, for instance? How do you version your product? And uh, he been through that exercise with quite a number of companies. So I thought he might bring a quite valuable perspective on this. Yeah. Science, I actually don't really have a very strong opinion about Semver. Um, before I shut up, one thing that I wanted to throw before we begin the discussion yeah. or battle, whatever you call it, is that we really need to narrow it down because, I mean, like, you cannot discuss a concept in the vacuum. I mean, you cannot just discuss Semver, right? You have to apply it to something. So for no, instance, no rules, no rules in this fight. Just no, but, them, no, but you see, like Semver was existed because it was about to solve some problem. And when you're trying to use version of some kind, you want to solve some kind of problem for a particular situation. So your situation might be that you're releasing the library for public use. Or you might be releasing uh, like a backend application to your Kubernetes cluster. And, or you might be releasing a command line tool for people to use. All those scenarios, they actually have a different uh, requirements for version. And they've been consumed differently. So for instance, in a case of your backend system, you might not even care what actually version is. I mean, it might be something very simple because it's mostly consumed by machines and there is no decision making involved. While with the library, you might want to communicate some expectations or like with your application on your phone, right? You don't really care what version of the Facebook you got. It's just you want to have latest. I mean, if it's not latest, it could be just two versions, latest and what latest. And like, what is my version? It's not latest. I probably need to upgrade to latest, if you see what I mean. So with that, we are moving into server and uh, science. It's all started with Julian. He has a stage to set the conversation up and tell us what he is upset about with Sim. Or shall we shall we give a background about Sim to start with? Yeah, no, I'm gonna give that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it. Like I have that. So so semver.org uh list the like the rules kind of the 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 spec it, it doesn't say anything, it just say semantic versioning 2.0.0. And then you have a summary as like giving a version number, major, minor patch. And they tell you what those major, minor patch number means. They give a bit of introduction and then suddenly oof, come the spec defined as the, you know, must, must not required according to the RFC 2119. So the, those terms are defined, but on the first one, the, the only requirement is that I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I think it's important that we highlight something from introduction before we passed it. As I was uh, looking for the outline, I mean, my favorite question is actually the question I learned in Pragma. So um, what is the problem we are trying to solve here? And uh, I was trying to answer management. the question. Yeah, and you see, in introduction, it says, 
as solution to this problem, I propose a simple set of rules, uh, like uh, what problem? And then I, I try to read the previous paragraph, but I'm. It basically says in systems with many dependencies, releasing new package version can quickly become a nightmare. If defense dependency specification are not are too tight, you are in danger of version log and blah blah blah. But there is like not really outline the problem for that. So. so for me, I can say why I like semantic versioning. And I think that it is good for many things, but not everything. Uh, and I will not restrict myself to the like dichotomy that you introduced, Andre. I think we could just have a broad ranging discussion that will uh, go over everything. But for me, I think it's it's important to see versioning in general as a form of communication. And I think in, I tend to say that as an industry, like the software industry, we have solved the problem of programming, but making software is something that we are really bad at. As an industry, everyone sucks at making software. And those basic software hygiene things like automated testing, uh, code quality, refactoring, all these things we are very bad at. So many companies, they don't even have a concept of a stable API. People feel like semantic versioning where we actually version basically our API, right? Whatever our API is, is very difficult. But why is that difficult? Because we don't know what our software is doing. We're completely unaware what our API is. So for me as a consultant, where I commonly say I know I'm biased, but I'm probably right, semantic versioning can be a tool making these changes more deliberate. In many companies, they have release teams. What do release teams do? Well, they try to figure out what's going into the release and what does this mean? Why is this even something that we have to figure out, right? So for me, semantic versioning becomes about communication and being deliberate, saying, well, here's what I hand you. And one of the things that versioning in a, a rigid way that allows us to make delivery pull-based rather than push-based. And that can be both, both good and bad because we can have the case where people are not fetching newest dependencies because they do not want to accept the incoming risk. But it can also be excellent because we have a feeling of what are the risk or what purpose, what burden am I going to take in by, by grabbing this? So how much of an effort is this going to be to grab, update this dependency, whatever? Uh, and if I'm close to a release, then I might not. Or if I'm close to somewhere, depending on my pressure. So it's all about being responsible about that. And I'd also argue that should also go for at least some types of, uh, of software user-facing. Because commonly, semantic versioning makes sense internally. And then sales can call whatever they want, their marketing version. Then you can call uh, version 3.5.1. That can be called uh, Awesome Jaguar on the website if you want to do that. I don't care about that. That's uh, two different forms of communication. Um, but if I'm a podcaster, I might want to know if I get feature or backwards breaking changes before, uh, just before I record a show. 
if I'm a graphics artist, I know many people have, have complained about the uh, OS X Catalina upgrade. I think uh, they did, were not aware of what they, <laughs> they, they took in. So for me, it's about communication and it's a tool to, to make changes more deliberate. Okay. And it shouldn't oh. be hard. So it, it shouldn't ver shouldn't be version six. It should be version one point zero, because apparently, I mean. because you get I mean. more Nobody people than you expect. <laughs> Nobody can figure it out. It's it's a madness. You're just saying six point two point three. What does that mean? Nobody knows. You don't communicate anything because on the spec, they say like it's a public API. You must define a public API. The problem is that nobody has a common language to, to say what is that common API. There is so many cases I see like this is this is crazy to me. Like, let's say you have a I remember it was I think it was Prometheus. They just changed the entry point of the Docker, uh, the Docker image. Isn't that a breaking change? Like the way you run the software, isn't that the API? So they should have bumped the major version, but no, they didn't. And this is like professional. They, they operate software at large scale. They, I, I kind of hope that from you know the, the experience, they know what they're doing. But it's not like, you see, Kubernetes doesn't follow Semver. Why is that? You know, why, why not all the big software? And I actually, uh, side note, if you go to, to Prometheus, why, why, that... why, why is that? Why it's not following the? Because it's crazy. Nobody. No, you have like a, you have a major version, you have a minor version, you have a patch. You're getting patches all the time, and then minor version. No, being no, no. Released. I'm not talking about that. You you will never have Kubernetes 2.0, because wh what they have is a is a sensible API design, which which is alpha, beta, stable, deprecate, remove, mm. and you don't go with two. Like, what does that mean? Nobody knows. It, it, first of all, they don't define what's an API into Semver. You know, they don't tell you, okay, th this is like the API should be the entry point of your project. Or the, like, and then once you define that, all the stuff don't apply to it. Like, for instance, how do you use a, a client for a database? It, it doesn't work. You, 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 what you, I, I'm using Redis, and the client's version is uh, two. Does that tell me which version of Redis am I using? What is the API for? And like suddenly you're in this mess where those numbers means absolutely nothing. Nobody gets it right. Even React, like the framework, it's like professional software engineer at Facebook throwing millions of money at, to building software. They don't even have a clue. They started like now they went from 0 0.16 to 16 because someone say, hey, by the way, that's a breaking change. And yes, it's used in production and stuff. The only only people that seemed seems because i haven't dig deeper is ashicorp they have no we, yeah, we have a form is a good example of yeah. you're done right yeah they say like no we we have a list of feature that we want to hit and they, they follow that by the letter and they say okay we they they pre-design the api saying okay we're not there yet and so then yes you understand that okay i, I it's probably you're probably ne never going to see terraform 2.0 because, and the reason is we haven't seen Terraform point one to start with, and like yes, you know, change it. But actually, well, it makes sense because what the spec says that everything before one point zero could be breaking. So, and they went from one uh, zero point eleven to zero point twelve, 
which had a lot of big changes in it, like uh, basically HCL2 and the, I mean, it's basically a new Terraform in, in a but way. Yeah, but that, that's alpha. When, you, when, you, when yeah. you release something and you break the API, meaning these our design were wrong, we made a mistake. Mm. Like that's what mm. breaking change means. Like we 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 really. By the way, uh, Matthias, if you can beat me every time I see the F word, that would be really nice because this is really yeah. gonna come up a few times. Okay. Like, yeah, gonna, be, uh, because you will have to mark the podcast explicit <laughs> otherwise. Some of those podcasts, yeah. I, I mean, know. this is this yeah. is madness. You understand? Like everybody follow that trenches thing. Like yeah, th there is a rules, and th the reason they follow that is they think rules are good, and they are. The problem is if you don't define what you versioning, it, it doesn't matter. And if you break something, it's not a version; it's a new thing. You understand? You you suddenly what? You, you break an arm? Are you are you version two of yourself? No. You understand? It's it makes no sense at all. Like the 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 abstraction layer is completely wrong. It's all entangled with everything else. Like breaking so, change in software, it's it's crazy. Yeah, you don't break, break breaking your arm is just taking my imagination too far, really. <laughs> Becoming a new version of myself. For <laughs> for me, like whether the the spec at Semberg.org is uh, perfect or right or good or something, that's a completely uninteresting discussion to me. That does not matter one tiny tiny inch. What matters is how we apply it if we apply it. Right again, like okay, okay, ooh, oh, so so this doesn't cover this arbitrary corner case, or this doesn't cover all the software in the world. So that's why the spec is useless. Throw it away, right? Okay, so no, so so that's not what it's about. What's about is how do we choose? How do we choose exactly? If we don't define what API we're discussing as being breaking, non-breaking, whatever, then it's useless. But it's really powerful to say, well, you are not even thinking about versions at the moment. You're just incrementing numbers and then throwing things out there. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to imagine a situation like, because, you know, people need some rule to organize. Right? Otherwise, without rules, it's usually all goes to anarchy. And uh, imagine the world where we don't have a seminar, what we have instead. I mean, everyone just making their own way of defining the version and trying to communicate it out and then we don't have any common language like right now we have a language that people might not always understand or agree how to interpret but we have at least something i imagine if we don't have anything what what will happen then but the important thing is not that everyone agrees the important thing is that you're consistent within your ecosystem whether that's uh, npm or whether that's internally in an enterprise mm. or whatever Right, consistency is is the important thing, and right. if you decide that uh, you want to use kichas uh, uh, or just uh, random strings of Pokemon names or whatever, uh, that doesn't matter as long as you're consistent, because then you have some sort of contract on on what you're you're handing over, right? And, and that's Probably. that's the key to me. And then if you're just saying, well, I don't even know how to. Uh, then hmm. you can say, okay, then at least we will try to start with semantic versioning or calendar versioning or something like that, because then we have a starting yeah. point. The same yeah, thing exactly. for me with Kanban. People, everyone wants to run Kanban because they can't figure out Scrum. And I'm saying you are allowed to run Kanban when you have mastered Scrum. Right? It's, it's where you get the guiding lines, where you can uh, figure out where, 
what are the things you like, what are the things you don't like, practice, practice, practice. And then when you have practiced enough, then you can throw away the rules. Hmm. It's about Jordan, do, do you have anything to suggest, like, for instance, what people do instead of Semver? Like, do you have a pro proposal for Javier? So for that, I, I need to talk about breaking software. What does this okay. mean? You know, what, what is breaking? So breaking means you remove something from the, from, from the, what they call the public API, whatever that means. You understand? Like you, you take away something. Let's say that you have, you talk about contract. Let's see what, how contract worked in real life. You make a contract with the bank. If they remove something from the contract, you need to make a new one and agree to it. You understand? It's not the same contract. So th this is not a version 2.0 of the contract. It's a new contract. And that's my, that's my point about software engineering. Once something is out there, it's out there forever and people re rely on it. HTTP 1.0 is still used nowadays. Ethernet, so the, the thing we use to connect to the internet has been like made so many evolving change because the first version was barely a few megabytes. It was only possible to handle a few megabytes, but they kept the name because they guaranteed backward compatibility. They never broke that, that API. And that's my point. Semver, just tell people, look, you are allowed to mess up as much as you want. It's like the, you know, uh, fail fast and break things. Like, you know, Facebook came up with this, like fail fast, break things like trust and privacy. Why not? You know, it, it's, it's not a good thing to break. You, most of the place, if not all the place I worked at, they say once it's out there, it's never going to go down. Like you guarantee that you, if you need to change, you make a new thing and you, you, you let people know and let deprecate. And by the way, if you make a new things, it should at least be better. Otherwise, what's the point of making a new thing? And, and all those things is like, they don't understand. It's like the, the abstraction they're looking at, it, it's not, it, it should not be on that level. If you make a new things, you make you need a new name. Instead of putting the two inside the version, you put the two in the name. Why not? At least it's a complete different package. You let people know that okay, we're gonna uh, this is gonna be deprecated. I suggest you to move there when you have. I take an example, Python. What's the first thing when you see, somebody says, "Oh, I'm a Python developer." What's the next question that comes out every time after that? Two or three. Exactly, 203. Why? Because they just broke the contract. They, and they, nobody said, well, I will stay forever on mine, but it still has the same name. So the, it the seems like many apply. are saying we will stay in Python 2. How long yeah. has that process but been? But it's deprecated <laughs> now, right? So there will be no more releases of Python 2. I just so think that exactly. means you will earn so... more as a Python 2 programmer in the next few years. He's going to join the rank of COBOL and Java 1.2. No, but you, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you, they could have, and I'm not saying like it was an easy choice. Maybe at the time they thought it was good. It was, they want something make better, but then make something new or call it, Pythonian, or you know, find find a different name that reference that. The second thing they could have done is okay, we we keep the syntax. They can either choose if it's Python two or three, but you have a performance hit if you use Python two. That would at least not break everything because if you break, you directly split the communities. You split people up, and they say, look, I don't really care that much about that. 
I'm just here to make business feature. Uh, whatever you're going with your, um, you know, evol evolution, good, but this is not for me. I, I just want to ship feature. And that's the thing. Once an API is out there, it's out there forever. And it, it's very much about how to, you know, like 75% of all the outage are caused by a change. You understand? It's it's very much, we talk about immutable infrastructure. We talk about immutability a lot. Why not keep immutability for APIs? It's because it forces you to think ahead about the design of your API. Instead of trying to see what release is gonna go and have release team. By the way, my first job was in a release team. I can tell you, they, they had like a team dedicated to to just build stuff. Like to me, it was insane. Like what are you doing? All those people just copying text files around. Spreadsheets. Spreadsheets all over. It, it, and then you say like, why, why not make something that, you know, you, you put the, the, the optimization a little bit before you just ship something. Like instead of shipping every day, 10 times a day, something that barely works, why not wait a little bit and, and you know, think about it. Thinking is work too. I understand like, you know, people want to see feature and everybody has a different version of the, what the words done means. But I mean, as a software engineer, you don't break stuff. You just don't like, otherwise people will never trust you again. It, it's a kind of like a, 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 a trust contract. It's implicit, but they say, okay, those guys, they, they know what they're doing. They're going to provide something like the migration from Terraform. It took like one year. They provide plenty of tools. It's like an easy migration. And making those change costs 10 times more than, you know, if you design that from the beginning. Now, it's not to say that you cannot uh, evolve. But, you know, th there is this uh, picture of, uh, you know, first you make a skateboard, then you make a, a little motorcycle, and then you make a car. This never happened. Oh, you know, a car manufacturer didn't start by making skateboard. They started by building a car. And so th this versioning, is, it has to stay what it is, a version of the same thing. If you, if you change something, it's another thing. You might be hmm. right for like, let's say the top teeny, 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 tiny uh, part of uh, software development teams that are mature enough to be at that point and have the surrounding organization, have the surrounding business, have the surrounding HR, have the surrounding management, have all the tooling to work that way. Yes, yeah, thank you. I think you're, you're just being a little bit idealistic, Julian. You want everyone to be disciplined, and like, people yes. are not disciplined. So and just... perfect, let's go there. But, but that's, let's that's not my problem. Some... People are not disciplined. Let's you give understand? some like, tools. For, I'm not going to tell you. 80%. I right? know, let's but not it, just say I'm going to be honest. If, if you break something to me, it's like admitting that you made a mistake. Like we, we messed up, we designed it wrong. You understand? It doesn't mean more than that. Whether people like it or not, that's not my problem. I just tell you what I see. If I make something and I have to change it, I like, I don't know, but I feel bad about it because I made a mistake. I, I, it wasn't good enough. And just by saying, tapping on the back of some people say, yeah, don't worry, you're good enough. No, it depends. Like either you want the truth or you want me to lie to you. It depends what, what people want. If you ask me for the I truth, know. I'll tell you. You're going to make so many friends with this approach, Julian. But I, but yeah, I know. But again, as I said, like if you want to hear the truth, I tell you the truth. You ask for the truth, I give it to you. Right. If right. you don't like it, uh, what can I do? Yeah, but but Julian, uh, 
I mean, when we talk about like centos, they come from like five, six, seven. It's the same operation system, but they just rebuild everything, right? If you have tools working on five, they won't work on seven, right? It's the same system. So, of course, they can keep the name. It's still CentOS as a Linux disk, but it's completely new. So, that, I think it makes sense to keep the name. Why should you just come up with a new name for it? It's a new version of doing the same but, thing. Yeah, right? wait. Same when I five to two to three. It's like they have two. They made improvements. I mean, for me, when I build something, it, it's never best the first run. I also like have to make a new version and then it's doing the same thing as before but in a better way right uh i don't understand the question could you repeat please no but you said before that you're gonna have a new name it's like don't call it python free call it something else but it's still python just to like a perversion of it so then of course to make a new go from two to three it, it makes sense no, but python it, in, running and so now we we are in the level of programming language which is a little bit than a public api you understand like what what's a public api and and that's the thing why semver to me is like this is not good at all because it's first of all it allows people to say breaking is okay you know what screw my users i just change things because i do what i want no but isn't that i mean if i have api called version one right the first version i have Right, and then I improve and make new features to my API and say, okay, I'm going to re- remove this. I build this version one on on PHP, right? I'm not going to use it anymore. I can't, I can't build better thing. The new one is going to build on this new fancy code. So I make version two, and then start migrating over. But some things in version one, I, I don't need anymore. My my projects that involved, I don't need the old legacy. Stuff. I moved log into someplace else, and then I have version two. Doesn't that make sense? But what I, I say is like yeah. you can put version two in the name. It's like a namespacing. You can keep those. Uh, it's like a namespace. You understand? It's more like yeah. you create a new namespace for the new things, but the old namespace keep the API. What I'm what I'm against and why Semver is what I'm against Semver is that it's it's okay to break stuff, and that's okay. not good. Like I'm if, not arrogant you... enough to think I've hit, hit peak performance and intellect. I don't think <laughs> that we are at this moment where we design this API, where we make these things, we have hit the perfect knowledge and it will go <laughs> downhill from here. No, so I would I, like I something that perfect. give me a safe tool. Yeah, yeah. I'm that's what happy I mean. to say if I will need... screw up and I will keep screwing up and I hope yeah. it will show in my version numbers. Good. Then make a new name of it. If but you need to it... learn, that's what I mean. Make a new name of it. But isn't the name just the, the version number? I mean, it's it's just instead of letters, it's numbers. Oh, no, 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 we're going, getting into uh, that. <laughs> I also just want to point out that when we say public API and we're discussing semantic versioning, we are not referring to a public API available on the internet. We're talking about the documented API of publicly referred methods. So it could just as well be on a library or something. It doesn't mean that the API is publicly available. But let's let's take an example that is much smaller because here we're talking about OS, we're talking about database. Do like, and that's the thing. Semver it might break. It's not it's breaking. You understand because you you can still use most of the API of Python uh, 
two in three, most of it. You understand? Like it's not, it's gonna break, it might break and you don't know where. And so that, that uncertainty is just even worse than, than you know, knowing that it's gonna fail. Because at least if it fails, you, you know that you probably, somebody else has the problem as well and you might know how to fix it. So th this uncertainty doesn't tell you anything. It's not breaking change, it's maybe breaking change. Yeah, so, so that's the first thing is that depending on the 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 width of the API, like the the, the terrain, the, the map of the API, how big the API is, you might change things and it might or might not break. So that's not very predictable in a certain way. The second thing is if we talk about something much smaller, let's say a single function, you have a single function and you use some ver on it. Okay, yeah. then if you need to break that, doesn't it make sense to make a new function and leave the old function there? I, I, I agree that would be completely silly. So of course we shouldn't do that. Again, I'm not trying to cover all the use cases. I'm trying to cover the cases where this is a powerful tool and there are many of them. That's right. things that we but I haven't the heard point anything. where everyone I haven't... made their point clear, right? I, I, mean... I haven't heard anything that makes sense about Semver. Like nothing. I. I... I cannot even take something because if you break something, like this is admitting that you were wrong. And I, it doesn't show that. It, it makes makes it careless in some way. You understand that breaking change should not in, be introduced lightly. And that's the thing. It, either you, you deprecate and you but create you also But you also assume that now that we will bump the breaking, the major version often, right? But again, we're talking about if we have reasonably software hygiene, this is something that will have reasonably rarely. So let's just do that and, and not. You know what? Uh, I, I think in practice that doesn't hold because, because how we many started times... developing software. Yeah, so. And, and, so, and you... so you, you put that having a, spec, <laughs> having a spec that tells you how to mess up is going to help you. Yes, because then you become more deliberate about it. That causes you. No, yeah, you, you, causes just, you, you just. You you both coming from two different perspectives. So, Jon is engineering for the system where people are unreliable, undisciplined. Well, they do their best effort to do what they're supposed to do, but that best effort not always ideal. I'm also unreliable. Yeah, the same with me. I mean, I consider myself a disciplined person. Like I'm wearing the Iron Man t-shirt, like so I did Iron Man, but I can't keep myself from eating sugar. So I have a discipline to train, but I also, you know, failing in another another thing. And the same with the other people. And Julian is coming from the side that let's be all disciplined. So and uh, then this spec that is designed for people who are undisciplined doesn't really work with the expectations Julian has. So I think I that's think, where we are arriving at the moment. I don't think it's it's not right that to put people should be more disciplined, people should do that. No, it's just, it's too complicated. Doesn't matter how much discipline you have. Like, again, I tell you, even React or the framework or, you know, the Prometheus, like, they don't get it right or they, they, they do their own version of it. You understand? Once you mm -hmm. have your own version of something, it's like agile. Yeah, we do agile, but our, our own flavor of it. Is it really agile? You, you understand? Like this, this is not what I expect from a spec. 
Hmm. It's like, okay, like browser spec, the web. The web, they never, ever gonna break something. Do you know why? Okay, please, you bore me with a guess of why a browser never remove an API. Mm, because they don't want like to, I saw want to screw. Chrome removing FTP support recently. Like saying like, well, no one uses that and there is no good reason why you should browse that. Exactly. It deprecated it. That's not the same. They never mm. ever remove something that somebody used because they say we will not screw you. No, but and there is still a small small that's group a, of people, I believe, who use FTP via the browser. That's just ethical. You you're talking about doing the right thing, not being disciplined. It's just like you don't screw people who use your API. That's it. Doesn't matter mm. whether you believe in whatever spec you want. You don't screw people that use your API. If you have paying customer, are you going to screw them and say, no, you just have to upgrade? In some cases, yes, because if you have other paying customers and they are much more, you would choose, say, like, well, I'm sorry, I cannot just, you're paying too little to, for me to pull this thing together. And it's painful to maintain. So I'm just going to drop it. This is how business work and why people break things. Because time to time you have to do those decisions, and time to time someone yeah. will come around and say, "Well, oh, that's a nice, nicely looking company. We're going to buy it." And then the promises that that company did before might not always hold, and uh, people might just cease. I mean, they might just release the team and get the intellectual property for that. If you see what I mean, so things. Okay, are... The baseline. The baseline. Yeah. My point is: don't break software. Like if you okay. have to remember one thing is don't break software. It doesn't matter what it is. So if yeah. you if you break, make a new thing. What you this is what you're saying. But, but I mean time is running up and uh, I'm the least experienced people here. And uh, I'm about to start shipping uh, containers now. <laughs> we have some clients using the API. And I will ask you in order here, how do you recommend I will version uh, my uh, deployments? Right? Okay. Okay. Start with Android because you're on the top of my screen, so I can see it. Okay. So the deployment be like your Docker containers deployed into your infrastructure. No one else sees those versions. No, so they're it's... publicly. So other other companies will use them as well. Use it, our API. To... Is it like your API or is it your Docker container version? Those are the different things. I... No, it's uh, say my Docker container, which contains the code running the Yeah, but like when you deploy the, like you're building your Docker containers, right? And you might make a change to your Docker containers that will update, I don't know, CA certificates package, which no, doesn't no, have it, to do anything with code. No, it, so. it, it, it's not, it's just the deployment. So they can change, add things to, to new features, but it won't change them I mean, the URL or something. It's just the, the code, more or less. All right. So basically what I would do is Keep in mind that there are two different things. So what you're communicating to the public outside, you're saying, when you hit this API, you get this contract out. But the means of delivering that to infrastructure will have its own version because it will evolve much faster than the version of yeah. the things that you provide outside. So the whole, the medium that you provided in might change its version more often. So, yeah. and those changes might be not related to the code itself. Because the code might stay the same, but you might do a security patches, you might move it from one infrastructure to another, whatever you consider. So yeah. there might there might be changes for good or bad. And um, 
then like if it comes to Docker containers, basically what you want to have is you want to have latest, right? You and you just need to make sure that you want to you can track and make a difference between them, right? So I'm just dumping something latest in production that agree in agreement with my release management team if you have it, uh, or you just do continuous deployment. So you have something coming to production, and then the problem you are solving with versioning here is how do I refer to what was there before, right? So you need to two, have two reference points between the two states of your systems to simplify debugging and, and also answer the question, what is there right now? So you have a customer coming in through support saying, I have a problem. You need to answer the question, what is in production right now? And then the best way to go about it to have your version to include as much information possible into that. So you need to have less hoops to get that to developers. So then you might have, for instance, SHA-1, uh, like the commit ID, short or long, included into the, into the yeah. version of the container because then it's straight away tells you what the version it is yeah. uh, in terms of version control. But then you might build the same version multiple times for one reason. Then maybe including the timestamp as well so you can make an understanding that, well, it's the same version but it was built three times and this one is the latest. Yeah. That may be including the repository name. So like you know maybe not relevant, but you know, I think that the shower and the timestamp are the most important there because it answers the question when it was built, what was what is inside. Okay. And then you can have two versions and adequately comparing them, well, at least have an idea between what's inside and about the dates to to draw some judgments out of it. Then you can elaborate more if you like to. Maybe you can include the version of the software that is inside, right? Like I, think, oh, I think that's enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a long answer. <laughs> for... <laughs> I heard so. That's... I'm, I'm not famous for giving short answers. No, no. Uh, you what, what do you think? How should I version my deployments? Or, okay. Ah. Hello? Hello. Yeah, now you're back. Shit. You, and no, there's no, a no. mute button. Who would have oh, guessed? Yeah. No. <laughs> I think actually Julian had an excellent point that actually how you run your service, like the entry point yeah. change you mentioned uh, earlier, that also should count as a as a breaking change. Um, yeah. So I think that uh, we just version like the Dugger container, like our artifact uh, yeah. as one thing and, and say that that compilation of what's the container and the content uh, gets versioned uh, singularly. Yes. I would consider this something like a SaaS solution. So I would say that uh, I don't care about versioning the the security, uh, like the patches and the, the feature level, because they always just go into production, right? There's no, yeah. no communication around that. That's just you get the newest version. Yeah. Uh, then I think the the some short shot uh, is is good, and then a single number so you can, in an easy way, have uh, transitioning periods uh, where you deprecate or break uh, some of your things and say I have multiple major versions running in my environment at one point, and then at yeah. some point because you can orchestrate uh, instrument so you know what paths are used, then you can uh, remove the deprecated version when it's idle enough. 
Ah, so yeah, a single number and then chat, perhaps. So you always can answer what is in production. Okay, Julian, you're up next. The last I, one. To to tag my to tag the container, I always use uh, first the date and then the shop, because yeah. it tells me right away like what was the last time it was built and the exact version uh, yeah. or the exact commit that I'm on. So I know yeah. exactly, and I know that if it's more than three months, I should probably go and read the code. So yeah. that's uh, that's that's kind of my uh, how how I know if I'm maybe I'm gonna get screwed or not. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Any I final words? No. Yeah. Don't we have break to software. Yeah. Don't break software. Thank you, Johan, for joining. Maybe hope you can join again. Uh, Else, thank you for listening and uh, hope that you tune in next time in two weeks. Yep, jeffsecops.fm. Uh, yeah, fi find uh, find uh, the episode that is work in progress and tune in there and uh, give us some ideas what you want to hear about or anything basically. We will just happy to hear from you. It's yeah. always nice to know that there are people out there listening. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Bye. You have been listened to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.